0: Hello, everyone. hope you're doing well. Hey, just a quick note before we get started here today. I encourage you to check out my Patreon page. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Jonathan underscore Foster. If you subscribe to that page, you'll get resources and posts, and you'll be aware of some of my writing before it goes public and you'll get access to videos, different kinds of things. I can't even imagine why you wouldn't do it. So I dare you to check it out. Thanks, everyone.
1: Welcome to the Jonathan Underscore Foster podcast, a series of audio recording files where Jonathan engages with questions and concepts through the lens of René Girard's Mimetic Theory and Open and Relational Theology. There are podcasts all over the internet, both good and bad. And this is one of them. This season of the show is called Frequently Asked Questions. And today's question is all about parenting, about the difficulty of raising children in a church when you're suspicious that the church isn't always the healthiest place. Make sure to like the show, Leave a review and sign up for Dr. J's newsletter at jonathanfosteronline.com.
0: Thank you, Alice. Hey, you doing well?
1: I am doing well. Thank you.
0: That's good. Well, yes, as Alice mentioned, today's episode, it's all about parenting. It's dedicated primarily to those young parents, those of you out there who are like you're still interested in love and Jesus and grace but you're a bit maybe suspicious or leery or wary of what the church, you know, the kind of baggage that can come along with raising your kids in a church. And so you kind of feel stuck. And so we're going to talk a bit about that. I'm also going to invite my friends, Jess and Ryan Lambrose, to weigh in on the subject matter. Uh, Jess is a counselor. Ryan is a life coach. They both have a lot to offer in this area as each of them are dealing with folks um, in their arena all the time that are deconstructing and reconstructing and trying to parent. Also, they themselves are parents. So you're going to hear some of them um, here on on this podcast, but also you know how it goes by now. If you've listened to some of the other episodes this season, you know I'm taking the conversation with them even further on my Patreon page. So I hope you'll check their conversation out there as well. I'm not sure when this episode drops. The book may already be out, the latest one, but if not, I tell you what, go to jonathanfosteronline.com to get the latest information. And if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll even have an opportunity to get a free copy of the book. But if this is out later in October, then yes, the book should be live at all fine digital retailers. It's called Theology of Consent, Mimetic Theory in an Open and Relational Universe. I think it's going to be helpful for lots of people. Uh, I know it's been helpful for me and meaningful for me as I've worked through this stuff over the last three years, just trying to make headway as to what I thought about, you know, the best way to describe the nature of reality, theologically, anthropologically, psychologically. So I think I'm landing on some good stuff. Not surprisingly, the thing that I'm most captivated by is the concept of love and what I think the fundamental characteristic of love is, which is consent. And so I write about that. I bet you'll dig it. And also if you do, if you left a review on Amazon or wherever you buy the book, that would be super helpful too. All right. Enough of that stuff. Glad you're with us today. Like I said, we're going to talk with Ryan and Jess in a moment. Uh, but first, let me just offer a few thoughts about parenting. All right, a lot of inquiries from young parents over the last few years, but also most recently when I posed the question online and invited people to weigh in on some of the things that were pressing on them about how to raise up children with what we might say is an evolved understanding of love. And gosh, I don't mean to sound like the people asking like are arrogant, like they're more evolved or think that they're better than those who've gone before them. Actually, it's part of the reason why I chose the word evolved. Because in a sense, evolution has happened and does happen from generation to generation. There's nothing we can do about it. There's been a lot of change over the past generation or two. And so for all the folks out there that are maybe a bit older who are frustrated with new approaches to love or church or theology or atonement, you know, the encouragement is to just take a moment and think about how much has changed. Of course, young people are trying to reapproach this whole thing. I mean, they have to. They feel the sense of responsibility to do so. Evolution is a reality. Nothing stays the same, not even God. In open and relational theological frameworks, God's primordial nature always stays the same, and that nature is love. But her consequential nature, it's got to change. That is how God loves. If something is love, it will change eventually. I mean, how could it not? Could the lover be unmoved by his beloved's request? Could the parent be unaffected by their children's overtures? Well, how much more so with God? Could God remain uninfluenced by our prayers, our experiences, and our requests? Love actually requires change. Love requires vulnerability and risk. So parents who are wrestling with this church and theology and love as it pertains to their children are doing really honorable work, maybe in some ways the most honorable work. So in an effort to bring you some healthy conversations around this topic, Uh, First, I want to point out that I had a great video conversation with my friend, Pastor Libby, and it's on my Patreon page. She brought up some really nice resources. And as we've already mentioned today, uh, I'm going to talk a bit with my friend Ryan and Jess. Both of them are coming out of the evangelical world. They're currently not at a church, but are still very much interested in Jesus and love and health. And obviously, you can imagine from their vocations, they both deal with a lot of folk who are having all the same kinds of questions that they are as young parents. First of all, I thought it might remind us of a couple three things. Number one, if you love your kid enough to be wrestling with this concept, well, it's evidence that you're already on the right track. I know as parents how easy it is to have like super high expectations to wanna to know the very best for our children. But when we slow down and we kinda of think through it with normal human expectations, we realize there's, there's just no way to know the very best route sometimes. I mean, life is complicated. No one knows the future. We're not even saying that the divine knows the future. There are a complexity of factors involved. There are all kinds of things going on with parenting. So perfect knowledge and behavior isn't possible. But speaking of perfection, um, I love the definition and I can't remember for the life of me who said this or who wrote this, but it's helped me a lot. It's the idea that God's perfection is living with our imperfection. I probably resonate with that definition a lot because I'm someone who came from a church context that talked a lot about God's perfection and our need therefore to be perfect. So I can tell you personally that that redefinition of perfection, it's life-giving. Because we're not talking about perfection quantitatively, thank God. We're talking about perfection qualitatively. If you love your kid enough to be wrestling with this concept, you're already demonstrating the quality of entering into the messiness of life on their behalf. That's just another way of describing love. Love is intentional. It's relational. It's engaged with in order to get to well-being. And you're already doing that. By the way, that's a, that's a bit of a take on Tom Ward's definition of love, intentional, relational, um, with the intent of, of well-being. So if you're, if you're doing that, you're, you're already on the way. And that, that is the thing. Love is the thing that will help your kid more than anything else. I know a lot of you know that. It's just good to be reminded of that. An evolved way of Christian parenting is to recognize that love is the theology. The church is important, sure. And I don't think we'll ever do away with needing community. But there are seasons in life when the community, it's just going to get in the way. It's just going to get too concerned with like capital T truth propositional ways of being with the rules in the community in those kinds of settings can often be the primary place where young people wind up learning about shame. The evolved Christian parenting move is to remove their children from shame fabricating environments. So again, if you're open to that, you're already on the right path. I think you know more than you realize that you know. By voicing the question reveals the authenticity and intelligence that's already happening within you. And you are going to be bringing that to your child. So your child is lucky to have you as a parent. What I keep remembering is that it's not necessarily our responsibility to teach our kids love. Rather, hang on here, uh, our responsibility is to be open to love and to recognize that most of the time, our kids already know it better than we do. In other words, I'm not sure the parents are the teachers. I think the children are closer to love than us, and as such, they are the teachers. We are just the students. We're the ones learning from them. So this responsibility you feel to teach them, it might stem more from an omnipotent, like top-down, hierarchical kind of a thing than it does around love. So flip it around. Recognize the responsibility is to learn from them. I mean, they have advantages that you and I don't have. I mean, they're not deconstructing anything like you. They haven't had baggage like you have had. I mean, they're not bringing all the presuppositions into the mix that wind up compromising life or compromising their experience of life. What they have might be love in its purest form. Okay, we're on a roll now. So thirdly, I want to offer something a bit more specific. Here is my kind of more direct advice, and that is to esteem agency, autonomy, and consent in your home. I have come to believe that healthy theology is theology that empowers people to believe in themselves and to believe in God. Much American Christianity does not do that. Much of it teaches you and your kids to, yes, have a few questions, but in the end to acquiesce to whatever the church says. Now, I hope you don't hear me being disrespectful. The faith community plays an important role. But if that role becomes so big that it robs us or our children of our agency, it's wrong, period. It's unhealthy, period. Love doesn't control. Love doesn't use. Love doesn't get impatient about behavior and about how people are acting. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. Love is gentle, which is a misunderstood word, by the way. Uh, Gentleness in the New Testament sense means strength. Strength with restraint. So in other words, love doesn't have to tell others how to live. Love restrains its opinions. Love believes in others. It never gives up. It always intentionally acts on the behalf of others. Love wants you to become, I'm convinced, a full, mature, grown creature. That's what an evolved Christian parent wants with their kids, too. Interesting how those things go hand in hand. Well, this approach, I'm telling you, it's harder than sending kids off to church to learn how to believe. It's harder than telling them the rules. Like, it's messier than making them act right. And it's definitely more challenging But in the end, when you have children who can make healthy decisions on their own, who believe in themselves, who stand up in the crowd and stand up to the crowd, they don't fall quickly to the crowd's scapegoating tactics. Gosh, it is the best feeling in the world. More than that, I might say it is the hope of the world for all of us. So, number one, I want to say you're probably already doing this whole parenting thing better than you realize Number two, remind yourself that your child is the teacher and your role is to be the learner. And number three, do your best to define healthy church as a place where agency is esteemed. And if you're not getting that at your church, uh, I just say proceed cautiously. I got a video from my sister recently. It's of her grandson. This would be my, what, great nephew. He's six. I think he's in kindergarten. And he's showing off this school project to his mom. He's telling her all about it. He's super proud. Apparently, he got good comments and remarks from his teacher. And then by way of commentary, he says, I just knew this was going to work out for me at school. (laughs) I love that thought, that idea, how proud he was. My imagination kind of blew up thinking about you and your kids when I watched that video. They will likely never say those words about your parenting, about your home. But by faith, I believe that if you keep after it, they'll be emoting in a way. They'll be responding in a way that essentially tells everyone, I just knew this was going to work out for me in this home. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit today. Uh, For the rest of our time, we're going to tap into this conversation with Ryan and Jess. I hope you're doing well. Stay in contact. Peace, everyone.
2: Like I, I just see parents do that with with their kids' friendships and what their kids watch and what their kids you know where they go and it's just like you cannot control all of those spaces instead trust that what you have installed in your kid is going to produce a wisdom in in them in those moments. And when it doesn't, if there is a wound that occurs or if there's something, they can turn around and say, ouch, that hurt, what happened? And you can Mm -hmm. teach them in that moment to walk through it because their journey is their own, right? Like we each have to learn those things um, differently. And so if it's not outright abusive, um, it it might be a personal wound that's projecting onto that moment, I think,
0: yeah. And the beauty of what you're saying is, this works whether parents take their kids to church or not.
2: Absolutely.
0: All this stuff yeah. is true if mm-hmm. they don't go to church, because something one of you said uh, reminded me of how, you know, a lot of uh, folks who are processing things differently now in this day and age, they might, or at least a lot of young couples that I know, they're the first in their family to do this. Mm-hmm. So they have no, there's no like past history of a, yeah. a family who brought up kids. Yeah in love like we hadn't evolved as crazy as it is as that sounds like we have now so we're some of the first maybe Mm -hmm. generations who can legitimately with somewhat healthy theology still trying to even stay biblical maybe and spiritual be able to do this without being overly burdened about taking kids to church and that's Mm -hmm. okay too Mm
2: -hmm. yeah absolutely and
0: and like
3: so i mean maverick's nine so take that for what it's worth Mm -hmm. he has not really experienced much of church much of even theology much of the bible like i don't think he's opened the bible but maybe a handful of times Mm -hmm. that kid loves people Mm -hmm. more than i've like any nine-year-old should like genuinely cares is in tune emotionally, will he's like he asks to babysit little four-year-olds like because he because he just loves to just be with them and will make friends with the the kid that looks weird, smells mm-hmm. funny, whatever.
2: He gave away all his birthday ha- money. <laughs> yeah.
3: Hasn't done hasn't done a lick of church. Yeah. Um and I'm not saying it's not it's not just the opposite pendulum swing where you don't need church because you no, alone I'm not yeah. saying that but but I think a lot of parents just might need some reassurance that if my kid doesn't get this from this institution, they won't learn, they won't whatever. Um, And no, that you get to embody and show them that and monkey see monkey do like
2: (laughs) on the pioneering stage of like what you said, like they don't have a map or a framework as parents. And that is, especially if they don't transition to something else. Right. Like if it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm stepping out of something. And like I said, stepping into like the unknown of like, I don't want to integrate something else yet. I'm not sure what I want to hold. And I actually think generationally speaking, like we're seeing a lot of that people stepping out and like, what do I need to fill in here? And it's, it's been super cool to watch people get creative to actually critically think like I can make my own version of this, my own map that generationally, it's going to be something different. And it's based more out of that space of love. I think like, I mean, our kids have like such an eclectic blend. Like I do a lot of energy work and, and, and like, Maverick and I will like he'll sit and tell me what, you know, my shot quests are misaligned, mom. And I'm just yeah. like, oh my God, my mom would have shot me as a child. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's like that cringy, like
0: well, here's, in trouble,
3: right?
2: Yeah.
0: Well, here's a question. How about uh and you don't have to share too personal if you don't want, but how about your mom now? How about your parents now or family members? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. What's that like? Cause a lot of people are obviously dealing with that too. Right. I have um I have family members who tell me, you know, I'm going to hell or I'm raising yep. my kids wrong or, you know, yep. fill in the blank. So yeah. what's that been like for you guys? But
3: I get a lot of friends like you that are like, we can't go to Thanksgiving dinner. Like this is mm-hmm. going to and What do I do? My 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 parents are going to tell my little girl um, all this stuff of theology and you're going to go to hell if you don't love Jesus and all this stuff and patriarchal abuse, like all of that. Um and it sucks, and it's 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 painful. Um, however, I think a lot of it is being clear uh, from with your with parents to just say, "I want authentic relationship with you." Like I'm not choosing my path, my theology, my my spirituality over you. I want authentic relationship. This is where I'm going. This is what I believe. This is what I hold to. I'm not going to apologize for it. This is what I think is best, most healthy, most safe for our family. And I want to have relationship with you, but I can't force you to have relationship with me. And so if you can't authentically have relationship, if you feel like you have to pretend in order to maintain this relationship, I don't want that for both of us. Um, I don't want that for you. Is there a way to, to fix that? while still holding our own authenticity and, and true self. And if not, then we need to, that's going to be a different conversation. So providing that clarity, that's a really hard conversation to have, but you can't hold the other party responsible if you don't have that conversation. Um, again, you can't be conflict avoidant.
2: <laughs> well, and, and I, again, I think it goes back to what I said about is, is it abusive? if If, if it's like if anyone tells my kid, Hey, you're going straight to hell. Like we're, we're not going to have a relationship. That's the end of that one. Cause that's just abusive. But I don't, I'm not fearful. Like his parents will still ask like, Hey, can the, can the boys do summer, summer, you know, VBS. little BBS? And I'm like, yeah, if they want to, They're like, do you guys want to? Yeah. Okay, great. And I'm not afraid of what, as long as it's not abusive, mm-hmm. right. Because I'm not afraid because to me, I'm like, okay, so so grandma said this thing, or so grandpa integrated that, like, like those should be conversations we're having, not things that we're covering up ears to, you know what I mean? So to me, if it's not outright abusive, um, yeah, that's what grandma and grandpa believe. And you know, that's different than, than, you know, what mom and dad believe, but what do you think about it? How does that make you feel? And, you know, and if it's abusive, we have to have a conversation or they feel
3: ashamed. That's a, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah it is abusive but it's yeah. a it's a sub, it's like a it's very a subliminal message yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah. where they feel something's wrong with me because I don't agree with or I you know our kids are a little bit more loose with language um so little and I've they hold that language with their me being pop pop, yep. and and if my parents shame them for that then we'll have a different conversation. Now, my kids also know that when you're at Mimi and pop Ups, there's a different set of rules and respect. And that's that's like anybody. If you go to a friend's house and their friend's mom and dad say, you can't have soda, you're not having soda. Don't ask him, don't sneak it. You're having water. That's their rule of their house. You know, it's the same thing. But
2: yeah, it's, it's shame
3: like, is a big is a big thing right. that we we try to attune ourselves to with our well, kids. Like
2: I've done such a, such a good job of, of attuning and building into our kids that like, that stuff doesn't stick to them. They're just like, I'm not going to hell, carry on. You know what I mean? Like that they know who they are, that they really do. Like, that's just not true. Like, you know, and if, and to me, I'm like, if the same, if the shame is sticking, um, that's because somebody has wounded us in that way. Right. Like we're not born inherently, feeling that like that's, that's due to a nurture versus nature, you know, type of an environment, like that, the nature has taught you, somebody told you Mm -hmm. you weren't enough one time and you started to believe it. And then somebody else said something and somebody else said something. And so correcting those narratives and really getting into connecting to who they are, hopefully that builds up the stamina and the strength for them to withstand. Like when somebody says something like that, like there's, that's just not a core wound, right? Like I always tell I have a lot of clients, like we all have core wounds or attachment, like things within ourselves that are sensitive or raw, given what we've experienced. Right. And so like, if somebody says, you know, Jessica, you're an idiot or you're stupid, like this doesn't stick to me. Right. Like it's, if it's abusive, I'm going to move away from it and it's whatever, carry on because that's not a core wounding space for me. I know I'm not, I know I'm not stupid. But there are other spaces that can be more sensitive, like you're, you're too much, you know what I mean? Like, okay, that somebody hints around that, that's a core wound space that I've had to go in and kind of work through so that that doesn't stop me from being able to, you know what I mean, continue on my, my way, not let that impact me. Um, So I think really knowing where especially if you're transitioning out and wanting to reintegrate or transitioning out and wanting to like almost get a temperature check on like where you're wounded like do your own healing that way to see like man where where am i still believing lies about that stuff and where are my kids too like oh my gosh they believe they're not good enough and how do i heal that and how do i go in and do that so that no matter what they're exposed to that doesn't stick to them you know what i mean that kind of work
3: and not to not to be super repetitive but It's the same thing with church. The things that kids notice and are affected by are not the same things that we are with our families, right? right. So when the way that my dad parents my boys, the, my boys see it differently than I would see it differently because I have all my right. my own wounds from how my parents parented yeah. me. <laughs> and when they parent my boys, am I projecting that? Or have I worked through that healing to know my, my boys are res- again, still being safe. And l- like, obviously there's boundaries crossed and we, we have a different conversation, but how much am I projecting my own unhealed things with <laughs> my parents, with my parents, with my sister, that with resilient. all of that? Yeah. How much am I projecting that onto that my kids are seeing that or embodying that? Mm-hmm. Like they don't have a clue most of the time. Um, and so we're so worried about that, the indoctrination, all mm-hmm. of that. Um, and they don't, the The kids just don't. And so I would first start with just what is unhealed with your, mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. um, first um, and then see how it reacts or responds. Because mm-hmm. if there is authentic healing, within that, like just said, like it, it kind of brushes off. Um,
2: I'm not, I'm not
3: worried. I had a friend and his, his parents are in the, uh, Calvary chapel movement, very extreme fundamental, uh, church. And his dad was on staff and they just had their first little girl and she's 15 Mm -hmm. months old. And he called me and he's like, uh, what am I gonna do? My my parents are gonna indoctrinate. They're gonna say all this stuff, and I was like, "Bro, you have at least three more years before she's even gonna notice the first thing about that." Now, I, I, apart from yeah, if he's if your parents are abusively verbally like all yes, absolutely, they're telling your little girl she's going to hell at, at, when she's three. That's gonna affect um, uh, yeah vibrational
2: frequency. That's different. The That's, the different. The That's different. Know, something it does impact. But but, but yeah.
3: your parents telling her that we want you to love Jesus. We want you, she used to be like, my grandma and grandpa loved me. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they read me a bedtime story. It was a story from the Bible. Okay. Like all she'll probably remember is that they read her a bedtime story, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, and then we would talk through, buddy, I think, I think you are more concerned because you have a lot of history with your parents saying that to you as a grown adult, when you would go over after you've deconstructed. And he's like, yeah, they still do that. I still get texts. I still, Yep. I don't think you have to worry about that with your daughter right now. Um, maybe in the future, absolutely. But, and that just, it kind of just helped me realize like, yeah, I think again, we're,
0: we're we
3: we project lot, that onto right? the kids. Yeah. Um, and that's not to belittle it or to minimize it. There is genuine, yeah. I know that there's real hurt from
0: oh, in yeah. families when, when
3: you yeah. leave. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was I was just struck listening to you guys talk, you know, being being a parent is such challenging work and then what you're what we're doing now is we're talking about ways that we're trying to communicate to our parents. So we're trying to be good parents mm-hmm. as we try to differentiate from our parents and then, you know, on top of that communicate about how they're going to interact with our kids and what you guys are doing. You're taking a lot of time to communicate all these things yeah. and I suspect a lot of young parents Well, A, they may not have the tools that you guys have, or B, are taking the time. And so I I guess first I want to say it's really good to give ourselves grace and space. Oh, yeah. Because this is challenging work. You're like, and I felt, my wife and I talked about that raising our kids. Like, I felt like I was growing up a lot of times with them, you know, myself, trying to figure out what I think. And then your own parents and then parenting, it's challenging. You're
2: parenting your own inner children. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, in our situation, my parents were a little bit older. So um, there was already a little bit of generational gap probably helped Mm -hmm. us. And also I hadn't, we hadn't really deconstructed, reconstructed like we have until they were so old that it, you know, it kind of didn't matter, but it's challenging.
2: Find your yeah. tribe, find your people like there's there's lots of these conversations happening, you know, all over the place and, like, and you're not alone. Like, I, I think any young parents would be like, yup. Like, so any old parents, any parents yeah. of adult children probably are still like, we're still trying to figure this yeah. shit out. Like, you know, yeah. so it's OK.
3: Well, and the in my dissertation studies, I'm reading on trauma and specifically child trauma the biggest thing that has just been the most gracious thing for me is the brilliant psychologist said kids neural pathways get repaired more when a parent just says, I'm sorry, I messed Mm. up and Mm -hmm. owns that more so than gets it right. And I just went, Oh my gosh, it's okay to just go to our kids when we messed it up and we said the wrong thing. We didn't like give them the space, whatever it might be. And just go, man, I'm really sorry. I messed up. Dad, dad did. That was not right. That was, that's not how we're supposed to, to act. And, and, and that just giving yourself grace and forgiveness And then sharing that, don't just do it for you and keep it to you, although that's important, but, but Mm -hmm. do that with your kid. Again, that goes back to that attachment thing. And that's a corrective narrative thing too, Mm -hmm. to where they understand that mom and dad aren't perfect and don't have to be perfect. That's a false narrative. Um, But the correct narrative is that mom and dad make mistakes. And that they're free to say they're sorry. And that's cool.
2: And the most abusive, man, I've seen so many adults sit in my office who really abusive stuff in childhood from parents and, and they will still tell me, all I wanted was for them to say, I'm sorry. And, and they Mm. want, they want to be right. We all want to be right in Mm a relationship, right? Like we Mm. all have that capacity. Um, we just want to feel safe and loved and connected in that way. Right. And so mm-hmm. it really is, you have no idea what laying that down and just saying, I, I messed up and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. help me understand how to do better connecting, not correcting your kid. You know what I mean? Like, just help me understand how I can do this right for you. You know, is
0: Did you say connecting, not correcting.
2: Yeah. We yeah, always, yeah. I always say that with a lot of parents connect, not correct. Right. Especially mm-hmm. like your teens, all my teen parents get super pissed off when I say this, but like by the time mm-hmm. your kid's a teenager, you're done parenting. Yep. Um, (laughs) because they've got for the think for yourself or part of their brain Mm -hmm. online. And that's why teens get such a bad reputation. Um, They're so rebellious. No, they're just thinking for themselves. Um, And the only influence you are going to have outside of shame and fear um, and, and trying to control it, you're just delaying until they're like on their own. They're going to do whatever they want anyway, is to connect like mm-hmm. help me understand why you feel that way. Can I share with you my heart and why I feel this way? And and kind of holding space for for how they're gonna navigate that differently. Connection is the only thing that you're gonna have influence in. Correction is is just buying some time.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I totally agree with damage.
2: that. <laughs> so, totally.
0: And yeah. and it comes quicker than you think, like you said. Yes. By by the time they're twelve or thirteen, you're you're basically oh. done, and then You're by done. the time they get a driver's license, forget about it.
2: Oh no, yeah, because yeah, they're already that you've you've got precious few years, which people feel all this pressure on. But like, mm-hmm. what do you want your kids to know by the time they're? It's not you need them to have memorized all of the stuff. You want them to know they're loved, yeah. they're valued, they're safe, and they can mm-hmm. do this, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's there's a handful of core action systems in our brain that need to to be kind of met, to be able to thrive, and and that continued am right here. I'm right here. You know what I mean, mean, and that's that's it.